President and venal houseplant Joe Biden launched his re-election campaign last week with a fiery speech near Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, in which he declared, quote, Donald Trump is not fit to be president, and then wandered off stage, tripped over his own shoe heel, tumbled down a flight of stairs, rolled out the door while flailing his arms and blinking rapidly with an empty expression on his open-mouthed face, and finally awoke two days later in a truck stop in Lancaster County, wearing an Amish hat and a Guns N' Roses t-shirt, before being led back to the podium by First Lady Dr. Mrs. Jill Biden, whom he mistook for his grandmother and sobbed because he thought she had passed away in 1943, or at least it was very difficult to wake her up from her nap. The speech was delivered on the eve of January 6th, exactly three years, eight months and 20 days after leftist riots claimed at least 25 lives and caused around $2 billion in damage, making them the most costly political violence in the nation's history. And also three years after that thing at the Capitol where all the idiots ran around stealing furniture and stuff. Speaking in tones so sonorous with righteous anger, they made the drool on his chin quiver. Biden said, quote, We stand today at Valley Forge. Never forget what happened here. No, really, what happened here? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, something about George Washington and feet. And there was blood on the snow, just as there would have been blood at the Capitol on January 6th if people had been standing in the snow with no shoes on, which, let's face it, is a pretty stupid thing to do. And George Washington should have known better. Always wear boots when you're in the snow. This is America, for God's sake. It gets cold here, especially in the winter at Valley Forge. But meanwhile, in Washington, on January 6th, we almost lost our entire democracy. And sure, for that to happen, it would have taken some unimaginably extraordinary series of events where, like, someone in the Capitol accidentally butt-dialed his mistress at the Pentagon, who then fell off the lap of the Secretary of Defense, causing him to topple backwards off his chair, shouting a string of incomprehensible curses that just happened to sound like the nuclear code, so that some idiot DEI hire panicked and launched a missile at China, which then got sidetracked and fell on Pennsylvania Avenue, blowing up our entire democracy. But who knows? That could have happened. And it was all because Donald Trump is not fit to be president. If he were, I wouldn't be standing here today in this Amish hat and Guns N' Roses t-shirt crying about my dead grandmother. What a wonderful woman she was. I wish I'd known her. But the point is, if Donald Trump is elected, he'll try to jail his political opponents and censor free speech and curtail religious liberties. Or maybe that's me. I always get confused about which one of us starred in The Apprentice and which one is the fascist. And so... As I begin my campaign to become whatever it is I'm running for, I just want to say this. Never forget what happened that day. No, really, what happened that day? I don't remember. Unquote. Democrat voters were so excited by the Valley Forge speech, they contributed a million dollars to the Biden campaign in a single 24-hour period, during which it became worth $400,000 because of inflation. Nonetheless, Joy Behar of The View reacted to the speech by saying, quote, Don't tell me President Biden can't handle this job. He's on fire. Oh, why do I sell my soul and humiliate myself to prop up this doddering senile buffoon? Wait, is the mic still on? Unquote. In other reactions, journalists immediately began fact-checking President Biden's assertions in a magical land of my imagination where journalists fact-check President Biden's assertions. And Democrats in Congress rallied around the president to congratulate him on standing upright and speaking something almost like English at the same time. Donald Trump, meanwhile, said he was so offended by Biden's accusations, he planned to assemble a private army and overthrow the government. (laughs) I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. All right, we are back kick-dancing our way through the end of the world. Before I get started today, I want to tell you very briefly about a small project I'm starting with my son, Spencer Clavin, who, as you know, is no relation. Uh, It's called the New Jerusalem, and it's going to be a sort of freewheeling father and son conversation about the nature of faith at what he and I both feel is a very crucial moment in human development, human history. And each month, one of us is going to write an essay It's a substack. One of us will write an essay and then we'll discuss it in email exchanges. If you get a paid subscription, you can also uh, join in the conversation. You can make comments and you'll also get our recommendations of classic works of art and philosophy. 
but you can just sign up for free, which we hope you will. It's thenewjerusalem.substack.com, thenewjerusalem.substack.com. We'll get started on January 22nd, so sign up now. We would love to have you with us. Also, sign up and subscribe to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel, where you will get exclusive content flown in from the Gulf of Dubai or wherever the hell it is, uh, and uh, we will deliver it directly to your door wrapped in porn so nobody knows it's conservative content. Uh, you'll also, you can see uh, all my interviews there. You can get those on audio, but you can also see them on YouTube. Last week we did Douglas Wilson, a great interview. Everyone's uh, getting a big reaction to that. And this week we will have Senator Cruz, which I'm sure will also get a big reaction. And... And if you leave a comment and the comment is morally reprehensible, we will read it on the air because morally reprehensible is my middle name. That's true. That is my actual middle name. Today's comment is from Charles Gutcher, 1923. He says, you know, Mr. Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N, no ease, to somehow make the immense depression of the Clavenless holiday worse, I decided to finally read through the entire Cameron Winter series. And it's a shame if you just pretend to be a woman, we could get this turned into a great TV series and fight the culture war from within. You actually don't know Hollywood. You have to pretend. I could I could be a woman. I could announce that I was a woman, but I have to be a leftist woman. See, once you, you can come out as anything you want except conservative. Today's episode, let us get to today's episode, Why Donald Trump is Godzilla. We will talk about uh, how Trump won the Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley debate. <laughs> well, he did. And we're going to uh, preview the Lil Nas uh, J. Christ video, which I'll be watching for the first time on air, and I will give you my immediate reaction to that. And I'm going to answer the question, why am I so hard on Donald Trump, which I keep getting asked. I will explain. Let us start with chapter one, Chris Christie is fat and also gone. Have you noticed that big tech companies are masquerading as privacy companies? They'll tell you to just fix your privacy settings, turn off app tracking, and you're all good. Suddenly, the big bad tech wolf has turned into our sweet grandma. I don't think so. Big tech feeds on your information. Maybe they'll release a feature now and then that does some good, but collecting and selling off your data is in big tech's nature. They can't stop themselves from looking at what you do online. To protect myself against big tech's prying eyes, I use Express. VPN. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or phone, you're hiding your unique IP address so that websites can't use that address to find out your real location or track what you do online. On top of that, ExpressVPN encrypts and reroutes 100% of your online activity so your internet provider, Wi-Fi admin, and hackers can't see it. The best part, though, is how easy it is to use. It takes one click to protect all your devices, plus one ExpressVPN subscription covers up to five devices at the same time so you can protect your entire family, too. That's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by me, CNET, Wired, Tech Radar, and countless others. Today's the day. Get the VPN that I trust to protect my online privacy when big, bad tech is at the door. Visit expressvpn.com slash Clavin, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Clavin, expressvpn.com slash Clavin to learn more. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, wait, wait. How do I spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no So the Iowa caucuses may be coming in a couple of days, although it's so snowy now in Iowa that they're saying nobody can get anywhere. So it should be kind of interesting. You can't uh, caucus if you can't caucus. But uh, I thought this would be a good time to step back and actually just take a look at the field and talk about why, what I see and why I see it the way I do, which is a little different than I think everybody else. But I don't know if you watched the uh, debate the other night and the debate and simultaneously the Donald Trump town hall the highlight of everything was Chris Christie dropping out of the race. That was the right thing for him to do. It, it, when you know you're not going anywhere, the right thing to do is get out of the way and let the people choose between the people who can actually win. So Chris Christie did the right thing. But then right after he did it, he got caught on a hike, hot mic being the only person to speak the truth about Nikki Haley. This has been for months now the establishment right media, like the Wall Street Journal, has been trying to convince us that Nikki Haley is a thing. And the people are going, nobody wants Nikki Haley. Nobody wants Nikki Haley. She's not a thing. They keep saying, she's a thing. She's a thing. Not a thing. So here is Chris Christie telling the truth on a hot mic. People don't want to hear it, Wayne. 
They don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Right. And and there's you know we couldn't have been any clearer. Right. We couldn't have been any more any more direct or worked any harder. So, and you know. Forget she spent sixty-eight million. Yeah. I mean, well, like well, when you give land to China and places like that. Yeah, yeah that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent sixty-eight million so far, just on TV. Spent sixty-eight million so far. Fifty-nine million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even been and she's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Always. I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out after Iowa. Well, <laughs> I do want to say that if Chris Christie is punching above his weight, all the other candidates would be dead. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a big punch. That's a heavy punch. But come to think of it, that's almost true. The other candidates almost are dead. Uh, I was watching the debate and kind of switching over to Donald Trump. And to me at this point, Haley and DeSantis could be phoning it in. I mean, Haley has this thing where she does the, the cute, obviously rehearsed and written insults. Here's just a clip of Haley. Rather than have him go and tell you all these lies, you can go to DeSantisLies.com and look at all of those. There's at least two dozen lies that he's told about me, and you can see where fact checkers say exactly what's going to happen and exactly why it's wrong. So it will cover the fact that he's only mad about the donors because the donors used to be with him, but they're no longer with him now. And that's because he's upset about the fact that his... His campaign is exploding. You're going to see the fact that he has switched his um, policies multiple times, and we'll call that out tonight. But every time he lies, Drake University, don't turn this into a drinking game because you will be overserved by the end of the night. And and then DeSantis, so that's, that's the stuff she's been doing, quotable, written, obviously prepared. And DeSantis has his Florida band camp thing where he says that one time in Florida, he was cut three. I'm the only one running that's delivered on 100% of the promises that I've made. We've delivered huge victories in the state of Florida, things that Republicans have been asking for for a generation. I'm also the only one running that has beaten the left time and time again. We beat the teachers union on universal school choice. We beat Soros on crime. We beat Fauci on COVID. We beat the Dems on election integrity. And I beat the left by banning China from buying land in the state of Florida. Now, uh, you know, Nikki Haley is, is running. Uh, we don't need another mealy mouth politician who just tells you what she thinks you want to hear just to try to get your vote, then to get in office and to do her donors bidding. Now, I have to tell you, in all honesty, I think everything that DeSantis just said is true. I think if he were to win, which seems to me unimaginable, if he were to win, he would by far be the best president of anybody running. I think he is a great executive. I think he's done a great job in Florida. I think everything he's saying about himself is true. There is something about the guy that is not commanding as a candidate. As a governor, great. But as a candidate, there's something about him, I think, that maybe Trump spooked him. And you can see why, because you turn over to Fox News, where they have this Trump town hall. And I will say that ethically, I don't think they should have done that. They shouldn't have counter-programmed Trump against the debate. I think Trump should be pressured to debate. He's a candidate. I understand that he's so far ahead, he doesn't feel he has to debate. I understand that's good strategy for him. But for America, it's not. He should be forced to debate. He should be in the debate. And Fox News was ethically wrong, I think, to put him on. But money talks, and they did put him on. And I just have to tell you, the guy... (laughs) He's just, he is riveting. He is the greatest show in American politics. I mean, at one point, DeSantis supporter stands up and asks him about a a real question. You've been so mean to people because he just really treats people like crap. And he said, she says, you've been so mean to people. How will you get good people to work for you? And this is Trump's response. Everybody wants to come to work for us. Uh, We're going to have no trouble. We had great people. We had a couple that were not great, stiffs, as I would call them. But that's true with anybody. But now I've gotten to know Washington. I've gotten to know the people. I know the best. I know the smart ones, the dumb ones, the weak ones, the strong ones. And I think you're going to see something like you've never seen before. And the people in this room know it. We did an we did an amazing job. And the reason, you know, we have support is because of the job we did. Now, you like Ron DeSantis, but he wouldn't even be around today. He'd be working in a pizza shop or perhaps a law firm if I didn't endorse him. 
And by the way, and I'll get to this, that's true. DeSantis would not be DeSantis without Donald Trump. Most of what he says about DeSantis is false. He's, Trump says, I didn't close down the country. He did. He bragged about closing down the country. He says DeSantis uh, was governed by Fauci. That's not true. DeSantis caught on almost as quick as anybody in the country. But even the mean way he talks, this guy's a stiff, this guy's dumb, this guy's this, all of the way he talks, you know what it's like? It's like if you're at a beauty contest. And you're watching a beauty contest on TV, and one of the girls stands up, and the guy says, well, what are your goals if you become Miss whatever you are? And the woman says, well, you know, I don't really care about suffering people that I don't know, but I'm just, I have really nice breasts, and I'm hoping that'll get me uh, through, and maybe I can marry a millionaire. And you'd go, <laughs> you'd go like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, did she just say that? The honesty, at least she wasn't talking about the starving children in Africa, which we know she doesn't care about. At least she said something true. And that's what watching Trump is like. And the same is true about him with the prosecutors. Now, I've, I've told you that I've read the indictments against him. I think every single one of them is either trash or something where Hillary Clinton or someone else did much worse and was not touched. So they're all bogus. And they, he was, he's in the closing arguments, had the closing arguments in this absurd New York fraud trial where he's charged with hurting no one, doing nothing anybody complained about. That's what he's charged with. The judge who should be impeached already convicted him with no evidence whatsoever. He said, yeah, he's guilty. And, and told him he's to, to shut up in his court. So afterwards, Trump gave his own press conference, cut 14. Well, see, my legal issues, every one of them, everyone, civil and the criminal ones, are all set up by Joe Biden, crooked Joe Biden. This is something that's never happened in this country. Even when you look at this, this is all about Biden and her meeting. So even the civil ones, this is civil, they're set up by Biden. Uh, every single just about case that I'm involved in is set up by Biden. They're doing it for election interference. And in a way, I guess you'd consider it part of the campaign, because if you really look at it, they are doing this. It's never been done like this in this country. It's like we're a third world country, a banana republic. But every one of the things that you write about are Biden indictments. And uh, I don't know, you know, I just when got a poll. We just had a poll. It just came out and we're leading massively in Iowa. We're leading very big in New Hampshire. We're leading because the people understand this stuff. <laughs> the people do understand this stuff. And it's, it really is like they brought out, they, they actually unleashed lawfare against the main their main political opponent, something that really, truly has not happened in this country to this degree. It is a terrible banana republic thing to do, just like he says it is. And they kind of walked into a buzzsaw because he doesn't lie down and he won't take it. He says exactly what he means. And it's true. I mean, the DA in the Georgia RICO conspiracy, she's charging lawyers with a RICO conspiracy for being lawyers, for representing their client and doing what they were supposed to do. She's now accused of paying $700,000 to her lover for working on the case when he's completely inexperienced. And there's a report that this guy, Nathan Wade, who's supposed to be stooping the Fannie Willis, uh, met with the Biden administration officials on two separate occasions before any charges were filed in Georgia against former President Donald Trump. Wonder what they were talking about. So everything he says about this is absolutely true. And the fact that he says it and the fact that he doesn't lie down is what makes him. He, I'm sorry. He's just a great show. He has transformed the Republican Party. He is the OG of the new Republican Party. He likes to say, you know, that this wouldn't have happened without me and that wouldn't have happened without me. And, and he's got this point. And I, I'm telling you, I believe that his, he's past his prime. I believe that losing this election has ruined him. I don't believe that he can do the job like Ron DeSantis can do the job because I don't believe he has the organizational skills to do it. But he, I think I can see why the people like him. You know, let me read you something from the New York Times. Uh, if we like to go to the New York Times, a former newspaper. We want to know what the leftists think. We go to their op-ed page, which I like to call Knucklehead Row. All right. Now, Brett Stevens is not a knucklehead. I've met him several times. Very bright guy, very civilized, but he hates Trump and he hated Trump so much that he left his great job at the Wall Street Journal and went to the New York Times where he is more conservative than anybody else and sort of, I think, has had to curtail himself a little bit, but he just couldn't stand saying nice things about Trump. He wrote this column the other day, The Case for Trump by Someone Who Wants Him to Lose. Maybe it's time for readers of this newspaper to think a little more deeply about the enduring sources of Trump's appeal and to do so without 
calling him names or disparaging his supporters or attributing his resurgence to nefarious for- foreign actors or the unfairness of the Electoral College. What a, what a thought, right? You can almost see the Times readers falling down on their fainting couches all across Park Slope. All right. He says, begin with fundamentals. Trump got three big things right. One was immigration. Many of Trump's opponents refused to see virtually unchecked migration as a problem for the West at all. Some of them see it as an opportunity to demonstrate their humanitarianism. Others look at it as an inexhaustible source of cheap labor. They have the habit of denouncing those who disagree with them as racist. It's a basic requirement of statehood and peoplehood. Uh, to enforce control of the border. It is not racism. So this is Trump's enemy, remember, but he gets it. He un- he hears what the people hear. This is the second big thing Trump got right was about the broad direction of the country. Liberal elites insist that things are going well, while overwhelming majorities of Americans say they are not. Uh, and he points out that more than 12, this is to me is one of the big stories of our time, more than 12% of all adult males had a felony conviction on their record. And um, I'm sorry, that was not the one. There was a rising death rate among middle-aged white people and declining life expectancy at birth, in part because of sharply rising deaths from suicide, alcoholism, or uh, or drug addiction. That's an amazing thing. And I don't think it gets half the attention it deserves. I mean, remember, when you read the Founding Fathers, when you read the Federalist Papers, all they talk about is the, their obligation, the obligation of the government to secure the happiness of of the people. So while Obama is fundamentally transforming the country, people are killing themselves at such rates that life expectancy is down. All right, here's the third thing he's, uh, that Brett Stevens says Trump got right. There's the question of institutions that are supposed to represent impartial expertise from elite universities and media to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the FBI. Trump's detractors, including me, often argued that his demagoguery and mendacity did a lot to needlessly diminish trust in these vital institutions. But we should be more honest with ourselves and admit that those institutions did their own work in squandering through partisanship or incompetence the esteem in which they had once been widely held. And finally, Brett Stevens says... Much of the elite media, mostly liberal, became openly partisan in the 2016 election and in doing so not only failed to understand why Trump won, but probably unwittingly contributed to his victory. This to me, this thing about the media, and not mostly the news media, but also the entertainment media, is the biggest point of all. And it's the reason why I say Trump is Godzilla. As you know, I lie awake all night. I don't sleep at all anymore. I really don't. But I was lying awake last night and I was thinking to myself, I love this Helix mattress. I mean, if I were lying awake on any other mattress, I would be uncomfortable. But it's so comfortable to be here. I may, who knows, I may one day even fall asleep. For those of you who do sleep, Helix is the gift that keeps on giving. Every night when you get into bed, you'll be reminded just how great this mattress is. Helix is now introducing their newest, most high-end collection, Helix Elite. Helix Elite harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin to check out the new collection today. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? Go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Your mattress will come right to your door for free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will pick it up if you don't love it. You definitely will, though. Their financing options and flexible payment plans make it so that a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. And you can think to yourself, at least Clavin, even those who wake, he's got a Helix mattress, so he's incredibly comfortable. Chapter two, Godzilla plus one. So this wonderful lady that I love at at my church, she's older than I am, which I know that's hard to conceive of, but she actually is older than I am. She came up to me, she said, and you have to picture, you know, this older lady at church. She said, you've got to go see Godzilla minus one, (laughs) this movie. And I was like, you're kidding. You saw Godzilla? She said, go see it. So I went and saw it, right? And the thing is, 
Amer- American culture right now sucks. I know I keep hammering this, but it's just true. It's dishonest. It's dead. The two best movies I saw last year were both foreign films, Anatomy of a Fall, which is French, and then the Godzilla film. And the reason is they were honest films about honest people doing things that people really do. I mean, America has so much talent. I would never say we don't have a lot of talent. Oppenheimer uh, was a powerful, beautifully made film, beautifully acted. Christopher Nolan was great. Cillian Murphy, Christopher Nolan directed great. Cillian Murphy, great acting. But it was dishonest. Oppenheimer was a security threat and a communist, and Truman was right about him. And Barbie, which was also, you know, watchable and interesting, uh, it was a mess because no one can say what a woman is. And it was just, it, our culture is like that. Remember that James Taylor song, uh, Sweet Dreams and Flying Machines and Pieces on the Ground? That's what our artistic culture looks like to me. But foreign films are now coming up with some kind of honest view of the world. And this Godzilla film, which is called Godzilla Minus One, took me a while to figure this out. It's Godzilla Minus One because it comes before the first Godzilla movie, which was made on my birth year, 1954. This one takes place at the end of World War II and in the aftermath in Japan. And while all the girl boss crap that was coming out in superhero movies here, all the girls who can't get into fights, who chase down men and run faster than they do, who punch men and the men go real, all of that stuff, left-wing propaganda bombed and bombed and bombed. No matter how much Hollywood spent on it, it just went down the drain. This film, which cost under $15 million to make, which is amazing for a monster movie, and the special effects are pretty good. You know, they're, they're definitely watchable. This thing cleaned up at the box office. And all the critics said, well, it's because of the human story. The human story is so good. The reason the human story is good is because it has a woman in it. And the woman is a woman. She's played by a woman named Minami Hamabi. She's feminine. She's real. She's like a woman you'd actually meet. She's feminine. She res- but she's heroic. She rescues a baby. She sacrifices herself. She's modest. She's beautiful. And even though when it comes time to do the fighting against the monsters, it's the men who go out and do the fighting as they would in real life. The whole movie revolves around this woman. She is what they're fighting for, and she's the only person in the movie you actually remember because she's the reason everything happened. And, you know, someone tweeted at me, you believe in individuality. Why do you think all women should be homemakers? Absolutely true. I don't, I don't think that at all. I don't care what women do as long as I get my dinner. As long as I get my dinner, I don't care what women do. What I think is that homemaking and mothering are the most important jobs, and many, possibly a majority of women, would find those jobs rewarding if people would honor them as they deserve rather than denigrating them in favor of time-wasting nonsense that seems to them feminist and fair. That's what I think, okay? So it has nothing to do with what I, I want to order women to go off and do things. I, I, truly, it's, it's nothing to me. I just don't want them flying planes or anything where I'm in danger. But really, I'm just all I'm saying is I think mothering and homemaking are the important things. They're the reason everything else happens. The other thing that makes this Godzilla movie so great is this. In every Godzilla movie, Godzilla always represents some human evil that has had an effect on the psyche or the lives of the people who then have to fight Godzilla. Godzilla is always the avatar of some act of human malfeasance. So in the original 1954 film, he was a prehistoric beast. He was awakened by nuclear radiation. And obviously, it was a Japanese film, and obviously, this is in the wake of Hiroshima. And this was basically the psychic damage and psychic fear that had been created by dropping a nuclear weapon uh, in a... On, on Japan, on two islands, and the, just the terrible radiation that went through everything and the terrible death toll. And he, Godzilla represented that, sort of coming back, uh, the sin of mankind coming back into play as a monster. In most movies, he represents something like that. It represents global warming or pollution or nuclear weapons, nuclear testing, whatever is the going thing that people are interested in. But in this movie, he represents the death wish caused by losing the war and the shame of not dying in the war. In other words, if, if the, the idea of the Japanese at that time, the ethos of the Japanese at that time was the kamikaze pilot. We are going to die because death is better than dishonor. But this guy in the movie is a kamikaze pilot who chickens out and they lose the war and he survives. Now, the reason this matters is Japan is dying. Now, right now, while we're talking, not in the movies, in real life, in one year, their population, which is only about 125 million, their population fell 800,000 in one year. They're in a death spiral. Their 
population is older, uh, getting older all the time and is aging out. And it's not nothing's being done about it. They've kind of given up on it. And I think everything takes 70 years to kick in. I, I believe that when like communism comes in, it takes 70 years to fail. And when bad ideas start, they you know take 70 years. Only the current left is is basically we're at the end of a 70 year cycle in America. And that's why everything is coming apart for them. We replaced, after the war, we destroyed their culture, we dissected it, we took it apart, and we replaced it with ours. And we think, hey, ours is better. I agree. I think ours is better, too. But it's not theirs. You took away from them everything they were, everything they believed in, everything they had, everything that informed their cultural idea, and they're dying. They're dying from it. I believe that. I, you know, there's an old saying, if you're going to take away a uh, man's culture, you better replace it with something of value. But I think the spirit went out of them. So Godzilla in this movie, and Godzilla Minus One, represents the sort of will to die and the shame at their loss and their failure. Like I said, the hero is a kamikaze guy. And in order to defeat, who, who chickens out, he decides I'm not going to kill, my, kill him. He's not going to kill himself. And he lives. And in order to defeat Godzilla, he has to learn to live again. And that's why the woman is the secret hero of the movie, because women are the givers of life. They're the makers, nurturers of life. And in order to love her, which he can't do, the hero can't do, in order to love her, the main character has to want to live. He can't defeat Godzilla until he learns to want to live again. It's a very beautiful, human, honest story. And it depends on a true view of femininity as the failure of American culture is, um, you know, is the, the reason American culture is failing is because we have a false view of femininity and therefore a false view of humanity. Donald Trump is Godzilla because he is the avatar of a human sin, which is our culture of lies. He's, he's not a good man. I mean, look, I, you know, he's a serial adulterer. He's a liar. Uh, you know, he has really, his ethics are bad. He, you know, he's not, I don't feel he's an utterly corrupt person. There are people far more corrupt than he is. But like, like he's not a good guy. You wouldn't leave your daughter alone in a room with him. He's a blundering beast like Godzilla. But he is the living cry of a people who have been lied to and lied to and lied to by toxic, arrogant, elitist, entitled corporate media who are basically standing up for the regime, you know, and being and not just standing up for the regime, but telling them that they are bad if they deny what they're being told. If they speak their own truth, they should be censored. They should be cut down as misinformation, as racist, as sexist, as all those things. Be silent. Shut up. And this is the monster that that creates. They think, oh, this is going to do it. We're going to silence everybody. No one will know, you know, that women are unhappy. No one will know that men are killing themselves because they're so miserable. No one will know that we're making a fortune while the middle class is vanishing. No one will see because we'll tell them it's not there. And we'll tell them if they speak and say that it's there, they're, they're bad people. If they are our systems, which made us rich and powerful, have destroyed the lives of black people so that black people are now in these high crime areas. But if anybody says they're high crime areas, who no, you're a racist. What do you think that does to people? What do you think it does? It makes them furious. You know, listen to this. Listen to Fran Here's Francis Collins, who was the head of the National Institute of Health during the pandemic. This is the guy who was uh, he because he was theoretically an evangelical. This is the guy who was used to rope in the churches and tell them if they wanted to be winsome, if they wanted to be Christian, they should shut down their churches. Here's what he's saying now about the job he did. Cut seven. If you're a public health person and you're trying to make a decision, you have this very narrow view of what the right decision is, and that is something that will save a life. Doesn't matter what else happens. So you attach infinite value uh, to stopping the disease and saving a life. You attach a zero value to whether this actually totally disrupts people's lives, ruins the economy, and has many kids kept out of school in a way that they never not quite require collateral from. damage. So there, yeah, collateral wow. damage. This is a public health mindset, and I think a lot of us involved in trying to make those recommendations had that mindset, and that was really unfortunate. It's another mistake we made. Now, listen, I, that's honest. At least that, that is pretty honest. And I, I don't think, you know, he should go to prison or anything like this, but I think that this should, there should be a cost for causing that much damage. And I, I think I, I really do give him credit for coming out and just saying that. 
Fauci, on the other hand, in a closed-door session with Congress, who still thinks he's the God's gift to America, said at one point, oh, you know that that thing where we said everybody had to be six feet apart? That had no basis in science. That just kind of happened. I, you know, God, I don't know who pushed that. Well, that was the reason the schools closed. That was the reason businesses were destroyed, because you couldn't hold people far enough apart. That was the reason every church had to set its chairs out in the middle of nowhere and why churches closed and nobody could get together. So, you know, we, we watch this happen. And the reason I, I'm talking about the press is, okay, let's say, let's give Francis Collins the benefit of the doubt, say, okay, he's taking responsibility. Let's say Fauci's a jerk and he's not taking responsibility, but at least he's sort of telling the truth. All of that would have been okay to have incompetent bureaucrats if the press didn't basically get on the bandwagon instantaneously without any science, without any knowledge, without any information, and basically shut down everybody who said, no, this isn't true. You don't have to vaccinate young men. You only have to vaccinate old guys. You know, why was it that it's it's still happening now? I talk about this all the time in YouTube. You know, if you talk about the fact that there's absolutely no science behind transgenderism, it's just an academic theory, they cut you off. They censor you. Even if you talk about the pedophilia, they basically knock down your algorithm. It's like this thing, this silencing, they think it has no effect. You know, if you tell somebody, oh, you know, maybe you should curtail your sexual desires in some way, the the left immediately thinks, oh, well, then they just blow out through your ears. It's this force running through you. If you damn them up here, they blow out through your ears. Well, maybe so. But what happens when you damn up the right of people to tell the truth, the right of people to say what they see right in front of their eyes? What do they think happens to that flow, that desire that human beings have to tell the truth, to think their way through through things, to not have their businesses closed down, to not have their kids kept home from school, to be able to say, that guy, Francis Collins, is full of it. That guy, Joe Biden, is corrupt. What do you think happens when you shut those people down? You think there's no cost to that? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. It's the same cost as when you drop nuclear bombs on people. When you lose a war, even though we believe the Japanese were utterly in the wrong, they still lost a war. It's still a very traumatic thing to have happen to people. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's a traumatic thing. When those things happen, there is a reaction. If we had a media, see, all of these things, you know, you think about Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden gets up and says, oh, January 6th, it was the worst thing. Oh, we almost, he actually said this in his Valley Forge speech. We almost lost it all. We almost lost it all. What the hell is he talking about? He's talking nonsense. If the press would just come out and say, well, that's nonsense. Yeah, and and allow people to come out and say it's nonsense. Not suppress them on Facebook, not suppress them on YouTube, not silence people who are just basically saying he's a pal, he lies. I don't have a problem with Joe Biden being a, a corrupt Paul who lies. I think most Pauls are corrupt and lie. I don't have any respect for most politicians. But still, that was the whole point of having a free press. It was to call them out. It was to call them out. And when you have a unified mono press, a unified mono media that silences people, ultimately, ultimately, all those lies, all those lies are going to come up and burst forth in the person of a truth-telling unrestrained guy like Donald Trump. That is why, this is exactly why I believe that when you switch over to Fox News and you see Donald Trump, suddenly you blink and you go, whoa, whoa, this is real. This is reality. Ron DeSantis, I'll say it again. I think he'd make a much better president. I don't think he would have made a better president before Trump. I think Trump cleared the way for him. I'm giving him credit where it's due. But I think he's obviously an executive, a guy who knows how to run government, a guy with an organized mind, a guy who can gather a good team around him. Trump is none of those things. I think Ron DeSantis would make a much better president. But I get it. I get it. This guy stomps on and he says what's on his mind. You watch Ron DeSantis, you can see him calculating. This is why I told you I got reamed for this by the DeSantis team when I talked about the fact that DeSantis looked left and right before he raised his hand. Can you imagine for even one second Trump looking left and right before he did anything, before even thinking, before he spoke? And even when he says these terrible things, like I was saying about the beauty queen, if she says she doesn't care about you know, people suffering, she just wants, she's hot and she just wants to win a contest and maybe marry a billionaire or get a movie career. If she said that, you just go, wow, at least she's honest, even though she was saying something that's not all that admirable. And this is why I blame the press specifically. It's about speech. It's all about free speech. And and it's also about humiliation. 
which the, the Godzilla movie is about too. It's about, it's insulting to have people do this to you. It's insulting to have people say, oh, January 6th, it was an insurrection. My ass. <laughs> and the fact that when you say that, it's like, oh, you're MAGA, Trump, you know, this or that. And, and you know, it causes a reaction on the right where they say, you know, if you say, well, Trump is bad because of this, oh, you have Trump derangement syndrome. No, I'm telling you what I see. I'm telling you what I see. The anger and frustration grows. People, especially Americans, especially Americans, people have a natural desire to see what they see, to say what they feel, to tell and know and share the truth. And that has been stifled mostly, mostly by the press. And the result, it has backed up. That force has backed up. And out of the sea has come this gigantic beast, Donald Trump. And you know what? He has a very good chance of becoming president, President Godzilla, again. So I told you, I tried this Beams Dream Powder, which, first of all, tasted really good. It knocked me right out, I have to tell you. It sent me into a very deep sleep. It contains a powerful, all-natural blend of ingredients, including magnesium L-theanine. I have no idea what that is, but it actually works. It's not just your run-of-the-mill sleep aid. It's a concoction carefully crafted to help you slip into the sweet embrace of rest without, and this is really important to me, it doesn't have the grogginess that accompanies other sleep remedies. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. You must have a consistent nighttime routine to function at your best. I have to fall asleep sometime, and this helps a lot. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar, now available in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, that's the one I tried, and mint chip. Better sleep has never tasted better. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. If you find yourself battling the bedtime blues, give it a shot. Your weary self will thank you. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their New Year sale for 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin at checkout. That's shop, B-E-A-M.com slash Clavin with my promo code Clavin for up to 40% off your order. But you need to know, you have to know, you must know how to spell Clavin. Here it is. Chapter three, speak of the devil. Now, before I get into this, this is, uh, I'm going to watch this Lil Nas X new video, the rapper video about, uh, it's called Jay Christ. And I just want to warn you, if these things offend you, if you feel you shouldn't be watching them, or you feel you shouldn't be listening because I'll be describing them, to uh, obviously don't watch, don't you know, torment yourself, but I've, I want to react and I want to see it fresh so that I can give you my fresh reaction Obviously, you'll remember Lil Nas X put out that video where he went to hell. And what did he do? It was, it was called Montero. Is that what it's called? And he was dressed very provocatively and he went down a pole into hell and he did a, gave Satan a lap dance, which my feeling was it's probably predictive. Um, and, and he also like pushed a line of uh, Satan-themed sneakers that featured a pentagram and an inverted cross and boasted about having a drop of real human blood. So this is now going to be his... Jesus Christ thing, so we can be sure it's going to be blasphemous and ugly. And the only point I want to make before I watch it is remember, too, that this, too, is a reaction. I'm, I've been saying for many, many years that we're going to have a revival of religious feeling, and it's going to come down from the intellectual top. Now, it's obviously not going to come down from the universities because they're not the intellectual top anymore. They're a bunch of DEI hires who wouldn't know culture from a hole in the wall. But the people who truly think, the people who are, are intellectuals and, uh, and reasoning people and well-read people are going to s- suddenly realize what I've been telling you, that the excuse of, for atheism, the materialist science has vanished that it is now time to start to reconsider the fact that the Bible describes everything accurately and that that is a revolution going to happen. So as that happens, you're going to see more blasphemy, more attempts to shout that down because they feel it coming and it's going to wipe these guys away and make them irrelevant, which they already are. So Lil Nas X desperately wants attention and this is the way, the best way to get it because he understands he's doing something that people care about. So let's watch this video and I'll listen into. I saw for those of you who can't see it, these people are white in white or ascending the stairway to heaven. Very beautiful uh, 
path. Guy looks like Obama. Guy looks like Kanye. Lil Nas X, Jay Christ, it says. There's kind of a ziggurat uh, of tower at the top. Yeah. And so he's dressed in a white, uh, uh, like a, a woman's dress. He looks like a girl. He's got a thing, a, a necklace on that says sex. And, and to be honest with you, the, the lyrics, which I'm reading off a sheet, are just about him. Very gay, very femme. He's, he's in hell from the last video. And now there's a battle between the devil and his, I assume, his sneakers. <laughs> Always sell those sneakers. Don't forget to sell the sneakers. So they're having a basketball game. And the guy in white... And, Puts it through the, puts the ball through the golden hoop, dressed as a cheerleader. I'm saying this for if you're not watching it. Um, very, very effeminate, very gay, and and now he's now he's Jesus, of course, um, crucified. What he's talking about, because it's impossible to understand, is his own career and how it's been a quiet year, and now he wants attention again. <laughs> Basically, that's what he's saying. So this is this is less actually um, coherent than his devil video. This is less coherent than his devil video because this is basically now he's Noah. I don't know because this is basically just him being gay in Bible stories. That's basically what it is, and it's really there to just to offend you. And I can tell you exactly what's going to happen to this guy in real life, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want to, because it's cruel. But he, he's obviously in trouble. He's obviously in big trouble. Good special effects of the flood. So this is Noah's Ark, flashing from Noah's Ark to Jesus. So I guess it's the uh, kind of the flood is the apocalypse, maybe. That's the best I can do for you. Day zero, it says. A new beginning. All right, so all the bad stuff has been washed away. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, which is 2 Corinthians, written and directed by Lil Nas. So uh, obviously, this is this is a kind of interesting video because it it's not as cynical in some ways as the devil video, it actually, if I were a psychiatrist, I would say it was a cry for help. It, seriously. I, I mean, this is a guy who obviously lives for and by the attention that he gets. He gets the attention by offending conservatives, by having people get shocked. Already, Christian rappers have come out very upset that he's doing this because, of course, it's going to suck all the air out of the room. He's going to get all the attention, and people are going to say— It's also, by the way, like almost all rap music, it's just trash. It is just absolute trash, that repetitive, dull, unmoving music. Uh, the, the lyrics— I mean, I, you know, I can read them to you, but they don't mean anything. Uh, what they really say is basically he is making a comeback like Jesus after being out of the public eye or not so much as the public eye ever since he did that video. And he says, you know what I'm on? I'm on a break. You know when I'm back, it's all for take. You know that I'm ready for everything. You know when I play, it's all for keep. So he's, it's basically about him. It's about him as being resurrected. And the reason I say it's a cry for help is because Ultimately, ultimately, if, if you are a believer, does this have any effect on you? Is this going to hurt you? Is this going to harm you? Is it going to harm God? You know, I mean, really, is it going to harm God? God is sitting there watching, oh, wow, I wish he hadn't made that video. Is it going to lead anyone who knows anything, who has any thought in his head, any feeling in his head, away from salvation, away from Christ? No, it says it's going to have no effect except in the press. And so I'm glad I watched it, you know. I'm, I'm sort of in my head, I'm sort of thinking, should I have even put that on? Should I have even given it any attention? But no, I think, you know, culture is, is where I think it's at right now. And I think that this is actually a sign of change for the better. And I, I think it is a reaction. I think just like the ardent, urgent attempts to censor Jesus out of people's lives, so you make a Johnny Cash movie, a biopic, but you cut it out of 
cut Jesus out of there because you don't want him to speak. They don't even want him to be seen. They don't even want him to be heard. So powerful is the name above all names that they will not speak it. They cut it out. Nobody says grace at dinner on anything but any show but Blue Bloods. Nobody, you know, no movie is about God. No movie questions God. No movie wrestles with the issues that come up when you deal with God. And so the only people left to talk about God are people who, you know, are discussing whether a calendar with pretty girls on it is uh, is interesting. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that that's why the creator of heaven and earth allowed himself to be incarnate and destroyed uh, so that people wouldn't look at calendars with pretty girls. I do not think that that was what the Gospels are basically moving towards. So this, I actually think this is a desperate move, a desperate uh, idea. And kind of like I said, that Trump is the reaction to something. I think this is the reaction to something that is not quite visible yet, but is just around the horizon, which is that faith is going to make a comeback. Do you know about Hims? Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments, all from the comfort of your home. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives that are up to 95% cheaper with options as low as two bucks per dose. The process is simple, 100% online, meaning you don't have to endure any uncomfortable doctor's visits. Simply go to hymns.com slash Clavin and answer a series of questions on their site. One of their medical providers will determine the right treatment option for you. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. Hims doesn't require insurance. You'll pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers. So if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Clavin. That's H-I-M-S.com slash Clavin for your personalized ED treatment options. Again, that's hymns.com slash Clavin. I like they spell hymns. Anybody can spell hymns. How do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No E's in Clavin. I just make it look that easy. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Final chapter, how a novelist sees politics. So I want to respond to a couple of negative comments I've been getting, I'm repeatedly getting. And I have to tell you, the comments about the show, especially since we rearranged it, we rejiggered it a little bit, have been so enthusiastic and even loving that I am genuinely moved and inspired and encouraged by them. I will not lie to you. I think the things that you have been saying to me have really uh, inspired me, uh, and I try to ignore the occasional hate mail and death threats since they're all coming from Michael Knowles. So, you know, what, what's the point? But there is one comment that comes up again and again, especially after a show like this one or at the end of a show to cap off a show like this one, I want to respond. And that's that, why am I so hard on Donald Trump? And why do I, uh, oh, I can't mention him without criticizing him. And I'm not showing respect for the people because the people want Trump and I'm treating the people like they're, they're fools. And that, by the way, is totally untrue. It's the people's country. I think if they want Donald Trump, they're going to get Donald Trump. But one of the delusions created by both democracy and capitalism is that the most popular thing is the best thing. The thing that people buy is the best thing. The people thing that people vote for, that they like. Someone today, on today, I think it was on Twitter, Megyn Kelly played a clip of me criticizing uh, Taylor Swift and somebody said, she's the most popular pop star in the country, and you're just, uh, you know, a podcaster, you know. And I thought, like, that, that actually is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it, it doesn't say anything either way. Popularity means nothing about quality. Sometimes a novel on the bestseller list is great, like when you guys put the winter books on the bestseller list. Sometimes the, no the best-selling novel is a piece of trash. Sometimes it's just garbage. Sometimes the guy who wins the election is Reagan. Sometimes the guy who wins the election is Carter. Popularity tells you what's popular, and that's a piece of information, but it gives you zero information about quality. This show is a novelist's view of politics, and not just a novelist, an extraordinarily good novelist. Okay, as it happened, just telling you the way it is, all right? And what extraordinarily good novelists like myself do is we just try to show you the world as we see it. We can only show you the world as we see it, but without our personal egos and opinions getting in the way. So, for instance, I obviously 
believe in God very deeply, and I believe very strongly that there's a spiritual meaning to physical things, but I also know, because God wants us to be free, that the world can be interpreted, the same facts can be interpreted in a purely material way by very good, very intelligent people. Dostoevsky, one of the, the, the greatest Christian novelist, used to stand and stare at a picture of the buried Christ by Hans Holbein because it was so grim, so deathlike, so despairing that it helped him to develop great arguments against his own Christianity so he could create real characters who said real things, right? I do the same thing. I let people who totally disagree with me have their say in my novels. There's different ways to see things and you pay a price for whichever way you choose. So for instance, transgender kids, they have an essentially materialist worldview it feels like their body just happens to them. Those of us who have faith know that our body is given to us and it means something. It actually is a word that speaks our soul. So we think if something's wrong, we want to deal with it from within. But what they do is they basically distance themselves from their body so themselves becomes this kind of Gnostic ghost that they have. But, but either way, there's a price that you pay. Right. If you're a person who thinks your body is just happening to you, you don't understand that when you go through puberty, things are going to change. And that's a beautiful thing, not an assault on your being. Right. If you believe that your body has meaning, then you're going to get in a struggle with what you think God wants you to do with your body and what your body wants to do. And sometimes that struggle can be misguided and tormenting and very painful. Whatever you do, you're going to pay a price. You might waste precious minutes of your life worrying about a calendar with girls on it. So when I write a novel, I try to show all the different ways people live and suffer really without commentary. Obviously, my vision is going to come through, the vision that there is a God, but Still, I'm going to write it without commentary. The people who have or are atheists aren't going to fall down and die. The people who believe in God are not going to be happier and rise up to heaven because that's not the way the world works, right? You can see the world in different ways. I mean, the uh, a while back, I said something to uh, about to the effect of uh, that good people could believe in abortion, could support abortion, just like George Washington, one of the great people, a truly great person in terms of virtue and stature, who believed in liberty with all his heart, he would still hire people to hunt down his escaped slaves because it's very hard to burst out of the narrative of your time. Someone on Twitter, again, said, said, Clavin believes that good people can believe in abortion. He's scum. Well, no, no. The reason I write novels is to show, try to show all of reality, as much of reality as my books can contain, the way it is, the way people live, the way they suffer, the prices they pay for the things they do and the things they believe, because that's what the world is about. And I believe that there is a benefit, an inherent benefit to being a grown-up and seeing the world as it really works before you decide what price you want to pay. Vote for Joe Biden, there's going to be a price. Vote for Donald Trump, there's going to be a price. Before you decide that, you should see the world as it is. Good novels, good art are designed to make you grown up and wise. Politics is designed to make you stupid and childlike so that you'll do what powerful people want you to do. And that it means Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Every word out of their mouth. Biden in a calculated way because he doesn't know what he's saying. Somebody has to write it for him. And, and Trump in an instinctive way. They're saying things to make give you simple, stupid emotions that will make you do what they want you to do. Donald Trump saying, oh, everything I did was perfect. My vaccine was perfect. This was perfect. That was perfect. You'd be a child if you believed him. There were, you know, a million examples of this. I mean, and the way it affects us is that we react to it. So it's infuriating. I did this, uh, I talked about this in the opening. It's infuriating that they talk about January 6th as an insurrection and that the press chimes in and they play it the way the Nazis played the Reichstag fire. They're trying to terrorize and demonize MAGA and get their voters to ignore the fact that Joe Biden's administration is a disaster. But then to react against that, because it's so infuriating, people start to say, no, January 6th was nothing. It was nothing. The police let us in. The feds engineered the whole thing. It was really Antifa. Well, baloney. The people who went in there did a terrible thing. It, was, it wasn't an insurrection. It was a, a demonstration that got out of control. But still, it was a bad thing to do. I, I have seen the videos of what happened. 
you know, there were, there were women inside, and all right, Democrat women are probably the most frightened people in the world, but they were crying for their lives. They heard these footsteps, these people shouting, people shouting, hang Mike Pence. They were, women were, were crying, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. That's not the way our country should work. And it was shameful that, that uh, Trump didn't react fast enough to try and stop it. And don't tell me he did this, he did that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not true. It's not true. It's it's not what they say it is, and it's not what the right says it is in reaction. And in order to see what you're going to do, you have to know both things. You have to have a, I'm not saying this because I hate Trump or because I think January 6th was the worst thing since the Civil War. I don't think it was. I think it was much less bad than the George Floyd riots. I think it was much less, much, much less bad than the uh, George Floyd riots. I'm just telling you that because you want to be a decent person. That is really what it's all about. You want to be a decent person who acts under your own steam, knowing what the world is. This is the thing. We don't have a choice about the world we're born into. We don't have a choice about a lot, a lot of the things that happen in that world. We have very limited choices. An election is binary. You have two choices. You vote for one, you vote for the other. Even if you vote for a third party, you're essentially voting for one or the other. That's what binary means. You don't have a lot of choices. If we, but the one thing we have free will about is what we say and how we feel about it, and how we present ourselves, and how we choose to act, how we act. And, and by the way, the way you act today determines your future. When you act childishly in anger and passion and hatred, you traumatize yourself. You really do. You twist your soul, and you lose respect for yourself, and that's going to make your whole life worse as you go on. What happens when you act in a way that humiliates yourself in a way that's not moral is you then have to rationalize it and lie to yourself and make excuses and pretend to other people uh, that you acted heroically when you actually were a coward or you acted morally when you acted out of greed or lust or self-interest. And then you walk around as a pretender, a, a fake all the time, and you know it, even if other people don't. But when you see the world as it is and you act as best you can, with courage and wisdom and charity and grace and honesty and morality and all those things that we learn from reading our Bible, your life gets better and you get better. You become better and better. And that's the point of good art. That's the point of writing novels. That's the part, point of speaking tr truly. And that's the point of a novelist looking at politics. Well, my friends, here's a no-brainer. If you want to protect your kids from the leftist indoctrination that's rampant in the mainstream media, here's the way to do it. Start a 14-day free trial to Bent Key, the new kids' entertainment app from The Daily Wire. Bent Key is the only streaming app that offers high-quality, family-friendly shows that reflect your values. Bent Key features amazing characters and timeless stories that will spark your kids' imagination and curiosity with hundreds of episodes that your kids will love and you can trust with new episodes streaming every Saturday morning. Remember Saturday morning cartoons? They're back and they're better than ever. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself. You can try Bent Key for free for 14 days. No catch, no gimmick, no hidden fees, just pure, unadulterated, awesome content that your kids will love and you can trust. All you got to do is use Use the code UNLOCK at checkout, and you'll get 14 days of unlimited access to Bent Key's world of adventure. Go to bentkey.com and use code UNLOCK at sign up to start your trial today. Clavin Clapbacks. Woo! Please do not call Chris Christie a fat pig. <laughs> a perfect example. Listen, before I start, we're having a Clavin Clapbacks emergency over the holiday while I was off the air. People stopped writing in because there was nothing to react to, and we're running short of Clavin Clapbacks. If you want to get your clapback in, this is the time to do it. Go to ClavinClapbacks at DailyWire.com. That's Clavin. You should know how to spell that. It's Clapbacks. is spelled with a K, K-L-A-P, backs. Clavin Clapbacks at DailyWire.com. Good time to get questions in because we're running short. This is from Jan von Tulsman. He says, I'm a weekly listener and usually either agree or I'm at least sympathetic to your views. I'm disappointed that you gave a platform to Doug Wilson. This was on the interview. Uh, sh shouldn't Wilson's track record of covering for pedophiles, failing to defend victims of abuse, and his defense or at least dismissal of Confederate slavery disqualify him from being a prominent voice for the right? Um, I researched all of that, and not only researched it, I actually called Megan Basham because she knows so much about this, and I do not agree with your the way you're characterizing Doug. I think that is utterly untrue. To talk about uh, Confederate slavery 
He says the logic of the Gospels is that slavery should end, but one of the ways it ends is not through violence, but by acting in a certain way toward your slave. He points out that the racism of slavery was against God. It's an insult to God, as I've said many times. He points out that racism itself is an offense against God. He points out that owning slaves is a bad thing, but that the way that it should have been gotten rid of was by acting in a Christian way, because if you act in a Christian way toward your slave, slavery decays. I once asked Doug, you know, I once pointed out to Doug that there was no instruction to only marry one woman in the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible is there any rule that you can only marry one wife. And he said, yes, that's true, but the logic of the Bible leads to monogamy. So he's saying essentially the same thing. The logic of the Bible leads to ultimately getting rid of slavery, which is, you know, maybe you can disagree with that, but it's not anything hateful. And his point about um, abusers, sex abusers, and, you know, the reason I look this stuff up all the time is because everybody wants to silence conservative believers. Everybody wants to con- silence conservative lovers of Christ, and they will find anything they do. And it doesn't, so that, in other words, you have to be perfect to not be attacked as a, as a guy who supports uh, sex abuse, and he doesn't. It's just not true. Essentially, what he says is in the old days, they would have killed pedophiles, and that would have been, you know, fine in that moment, but that's not what happens now. And sometimes these sex abusers wind up coming to church, and he believes that they should be given the ministry of the church. If you can't save a man from even the most terrible sin, then what do, what are we here for? That's basically what he's saying. Again, you can disagree, but there's nothing hateful about that, and I do not believe that he has abandoned victims. I think these are things that people say when you are conservative and believe in Christ. Uh, From Holly, hello, Drew. I'm a delivery driver. I listen to a lot of Daily Wire while I'm working. I look forward to your show every Friday. Your monologues are always so funny. Today's monologue meeting last week really took the cake when you mentioned Kamala Harris being called El Stupido Beyond Believamente. I laughed so hard and continued to joyfully laugh out loud every time I thought about for the rest of the day. Now, I read this not just because it's complimentary. I read it because I went home... (laughs) I swear this is true. I went home that night and I said to my wife, my beloved wife, I said, I have to say, I thought I had a really, really funny line today. I talked about Kamala Harris taking over a cartel and I said she had a Spanish, a Mexican nickname, which was El Stupido Beyond Believamente. And this is what my wife said to me. She said, that's just the kind of joke you make at home. <laughs> and I said to her, yes, because I'm hilarious at home. You don't appreciate the free entertainment. <laughs> You're I thought I thought that line was funny too. I worked very I read it a million times so I wouldn't crack up in the middle of it and ruin it. But my wife just said, that's the kind of thing you say at home. Um all right, one more. I got a lot of compliments, but not that many clapbacks, so there's room for clapbacks. Uh, dear Andrew, really appreciated a Cozy Clavin Christmas special. It was wonderful. Quick question, do you believe Michelle Obama is actually a man? I see people on social media saying this alongside calling her Michael Obama or <laughs> Big Mike. I do not believe that, but I do believe Barack Obama is gay. <laughs> I do. I believe I believe at least that he has had a gay life. I mean, that he is. Uh, that, that's why I think he went to that Jeremiah Wright's church. I think that's what they did. All right. <laughs> that, if you are not a member, I abandon you now to clavenlessness. I can't even think about it. But this is a good reason to become a member today. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Claven at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. You're probably saying, oh, please, I do not want to enter Clavenlessness. How do I spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N, dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Claven at checkout for two months free. Come over now to Members Block.